I'm excited to be back. I'm grateful um, for a church that allows me to take some, some time away for those that have filled in um, over the last couple of weeks, made things happen. It's good to be back, and it's good to jump into where we're going. We're going on a venture together, and I'm excited about this. But when you think about it, um, and I'm going to jump right into it here this morning, the venture that we often think about that sometimes can be the scariest is financially. What do we do financially? What, what venture do you take in an economy like we have? Whether you think it's good or bad, it really doesn't matter. In any economy, you, you've got to think about what you're doing financially. Is that bonds or stocks or do you have a Roth IRA or a 403B plan or do you invest in gold? Or do you have a bag underneath your mattress at home or a cookie jar um, with your savings account in that? Money ventures... They are risky for us. But I got to tell you as well, one of, one of the scariest and risky things that I do as a pastor is to stand on this stage and talk about money. <laughs> so if you, if you ever think, you know, oh man, uh, there's a pastor talking about money. I know there's been too many bad pastors that have done this and have taken advantage of everybody. And if you don't like it when a pastor talks about money, please take it from your pastor. I don't like it either. All right. So we're in this together. Let, let's talk about this. So I think it's very important. It's a touchy subject. Because it's close to our hearts. This is important to us. And I believe that's why Jesus taught about it often. He often taught about the subject. Jesus taught about our stuff, our resources, our money, more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. Jesus talked more about money than he did prayer. So he knows that it's important because it's in competition with our hearts. And this thing called greed can set in. And if we let that take over, it can pull us away from God faster than anything else can. I'm encouraged. There's been a good group of people here at Crestview that over the last few weeks, and they have a couple weeks left in this class, they have taken the financial peace class, um, a Dave Ramsey course here at the church. And I'm encouraged by everyone that did that. I'm proud of you guys that attended that class um, and are seeking to do the best job you can with what God has given you. And today we're starting a new series. We're going to look over the next few weeks of the parables, some of the parables that Jesus taught us about wise management of our resources. And he does a great job with this. We're going we're gonna to open our Bibles. We're going to learn from Jesus about what he teaches us. Now, there's two purposes for this series, two different things that we're going to try and get out of this series. The first purpose is to develop a godly attitude towards our possessions. What can we learn about the stuff that God has given us? And this is not intended to make you feel guilty that's not my goal, and I certainly don't want our biggest offerings to happen because of these sermons on, just on these days. It's not to make you give more money. This is to teach us about what Jesus taught us. This is to open our Bible, to see what Jesus taught, to take that information home. You, you do your research on me. Find out if what I'm saying is true. You develop a heart closer to God through these teachings, and then you make a change in your life and grow in that. The second purpose, and I'm very excited about this, and it's this. It's to introduce you to our relocation project as a church. Now, I want to make sure I get the information correctly, so I'm nervous about that as well, but I am excited to lay the groundwork for this campaign that we are calling Beyond Us. Beyond us. This is bigger than who we are and what we can do. This is going to generations after us. This is going to go beyond who we are. If you're new with us, this is a special time for our church. If you've only been coming for a few weeks or a few months, this is not a regular series that we do all the time. 
This is something special that doesn't happen very often. But we feel the leading of God, the leadership of this church is at that point where we feel the leading of God to finally venture out into our relocation project as a church. There's been a lot of prayer, um, a lot of time, a lot of energy spent knowing when to step out in this. Is God really leading us at this time to do this? And we believe this is it. So this is the issue that we're facing. It's twofold. One, we've been close to the maximum use at this facility for a while now. And we've done it this way over the last few years. We've, we've hit a max on some things in our classrooms, and our hallways. Um, sometimes in this room, we've hit a max on what we can do, we feel like, in a, this facility. And we've come back down off of that. And we've built back up to that, and we've come back off of that. And I feel like we're ramping back up to that time period again. So it's leading us right to this time period. We also know this, the future growth of Manhattan is happening along Highway 24 between Manhattan and Wamego, and that's where this land that we have purchased is at. Um, a half a mile north on XL Road, a half a mile east of Flint Hills Christian School on Elk Creek Road, and we're excited about this location and this property. Now, I'm going to get into more details about how we got to that um, later on. This was about eight years ago when we purchased this, so in around 2010 when this happened. And when we did that, we did a campaign, and we raised the resources to buy that property. And now we're getting ready to launch into a time to build the building and make the relocation happen. Today we're introducing that campaign to raise those capital resources that we'll need for this project And we're going to ask for a two-year commitment from all of you to go beyond us for someone else. It's a big project, and it's a large goal for us. And it's going to require some generosity from people here that maybe you've never been this generous before in your lives. Hopefully, we can give on a scale that many of us have never given on before. I think it's impressive for Crestview that over the last three years, we've averaged around 450 people on a Sunday morning in this building. Sometimes higher, sometimes lower, but we feel that we've reached the max at this, and we feel God leading us at this time to take this venture, to step out and to reach as many people as we can for Jesus Christ. The question for us is this, are we ready to follow God in this? Are we committed to the kingdom of God? Do we believe that with God all things are possible and we can make this work? So this is my goal. Um, instead of dumping everything into to one sermon and a 15-minute announcement about what we're doing, and hopefully you may make it on that Sunday, right? I, I, we're going to leak a little bit of it to you over the next four weeks. I'm going to give you some ideas and concepts of where we've been and where we're headed with this project. And I want to be able to give you a clear outline of our purpose and our goals, the vision, the why behind what we're doing. Um, I want to teach you about that and tell you that our goal is not about greed. It's not about a new shiny building. It's not simply how many people can come. Our goal is to use the potential that God has given us to build his kingdom here on earth, to teach others about the love of Christ. Our schedule is this. Over the next few weeks, we're just going to introduce the campaign, the campaign that will happen later in the fall. And then later in the fall, we're going to have some times of information, um, question and answer, town hall meetings where you can come and you can ask me any question about the project, where we've been and where we're going, what's happening with that. 
Then on November 11th of this year, we're going to have a commitment Sunday. And we're going to build up to that day. We're going to have a commitment Sunday. We're going to ask for a one-time gift from you of what you can give to this project. And my goal and my prayer and my hope, and from me as well, that it will be the biggest gift that I've ever given to this church. Um, our goal in that is to keep our, our um, loan down as much as possible, to raise as much as we can on that opening commitment day. And then next, we'll ask for a two-year financial commitment towards this project. A one-time gift and then a two-year financial commitment. And I've heard of people um, from churches before that have done this that have received everything from stocks and bonds and land to motorcycles to condos, all for the kingdom of God and how we can take that and use it to spread his good news. So we're going to have the next four months to pray about, to plan for, to think about a commitment to the expanding of God's kingdom that goes beyond ourselves. And then a time of vision, a time to answer the question why. But in the meantime, we're going to continue to offer the best opportunities that we can as a church to help you grow in your faith. In fact, I'm excited about what's already happening. We have a group of about 30 people here at Crestview that are walking through a class together. It's called Rooted. You're going to hear more about this um, soon. 30 people that are being trained in some discipleship-making techniques. What can we do? How can we grow in this? And in January, then, we hope to launch this to the whole church to say, come on, we want you to be a part of this, and use some of those leaders then to teach you and to lead you in a different way to make disciples, to follow what God has taught us to do, to go and make disciples. So we're already on this process. We're already making that happen in our church. And we know that we're going to need the place and the space as more people come. And I love it this way. There's no safer place to be, but there's no more exciting place to be than in the will of God. And I think we're walking right in that as a church. So with this lesson today, with the next few lessons over the next few weeks, please understand this talk is not coming from a pastor who just wants more money. I'm not going to get a raise out of this series or what's going to happen with this. That's not my goal um, through this um, time period. Many pastors have abused their role for this reason. Rather, this lesson comes from Jesus, and it's a heart lesson about how we can grow closer to him. So if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 12 is where we're going to be. Luke chapter 12, um, if you have your phones, hey, get your Bible apps open, follow us on the event on that. You can follow us, you can see it right there, Crestview, look us up. Luke chapter 12, there's many um, stories in this chapter where we're going to look at the one called the rich fool. Starting in verse 13, Jesus says this, um, someone in the crowd, or Luke's writing, says someone in the crowd said to him, and he's talking about Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Which actually makes me laugh a little bit because Jesus just said, I'm not, I'm not the judge of this, but he's Jesus, right? So he goes back to him and he says, this is what I'm going to tell you. Take care and be on guard against all covetedness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. All right, before the parable, let's get this, this situation straight. This is what's happened. This guy comes up to Jesus, and he's crying and whining and complaining. He says, you know, wah, wah, get, my brother has taken all the inheritance. Tell him to share. <laughs> Tell my brother to share with me. And Jesus says, I'm not your guy. I'm not here to, to dispute you know, arguments between you and your brother. That's not what I'm here for. But what I will tell you is, guard your heart. 
Be careful. Don't let greed set in. Your life does not consist of the things that you have here. There's more important stuff to worry about than the inheritance that your brother has taken. And then Jesus does this. He steps into a parable, which is a a good story to teach a lesson. And Jesus says this, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all of my crops. So this man said to himself, this farmer said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, self, you have a lot of good stuff here laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be happy. And God said to him, you fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? And then this verse, many of you have probably heard this one before, verse 21. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. All right, I don't know if you caught it. Did you catch the dichotomy of this yet? I don't know if any of you are sitting there going, whoa, wait a minute. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. Maybe I'm going to point it out to you and you're going to just go say, what, what's, he's revealing this to us, the, the dichotomy. I'm introducing a campaign for us to relocate, to build a bigger building. And the very first story I'm using is about a farmer who said, my barns aren't big enough. I need bigger barns for all my stuff, right? Did you catch that? Maybe some of you did. Maybe some of you haven't yet. I think there's a big difference, and we're going to see this difference. The difference is that this farmer was building to hoard it away for himself. Our goal is not for us. Our goal is for others. I'm telling you, if we want it to be easy as a church, if we want it to be relaxed and say, hey, let's just take it easy as a church, um, let's just be happy, let's have fun with where we're at, I would say let's shut the doors to any new people ever coming. The ones that are here now, this is who we've got. Let's just become better Christians, and we'll just take care of each other. We'll just be a small little family taking care of each other, but no one new can come to this place. This is it. That would be the easy way out. That would make it a lot easier on me, I think, as a pastor as well. Wouldn't have the headache of growing. But I don't think that's what he's called us to do. He's called us to take his message to others. Not for us, but for someone else. Now, this farmer, everyone in the world would call him a success. However, in the end, God actually calls him a fool. Now, the Greek um, word for this, Luke actually wrote this in the Greek language, so the original text of this was in the Greek language, and the interpretation of the word fool actually comes out as without mind. So fool means without mind. The guy actually lost his mind, is what Luke is telling us here. He's a fool. He was not thinking the way that God would have him think. And the problem is not his wealth. The problem is his attitude towards his wealth. All he needed to do was change his thinking. It's okay to be wealthy. It's absolutely okay to to have wealth. And you don't have to give it all away. That's not the goal behind this. But you do have to be wise. You do have to be responsible about what God has given to you. So let's look at him here. Three pitfalls that I think we can avoid if we're going to invest in what God has entrusted to us. The first one is this. He received God's blessing, but he didn't give God thanks. 
He received the blessings of God, which we all do very easily, but we often don't give God thanks for that. His first thought was, look at all I have. I've got more than I can handle. What am I going to do with what all I have? His first thought should have been, God, thank you for blessing me with all of this. I can't believe how God has blessed me with this stuff. Instead, he refers to everything as his own. My crops, my barns, my stuff. But we have to be reminded that in John 15, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. No, I get it, I get it. We sit back at times and say, no, I worked hard for this. I put in the years, I put in the effort, I put in the hard work, the sweat, the blood. I'm the one that did it. But do you ever stop to think that it's God that, God that gives you that ability? It's God that gives you the hands to work, the head to think. It was God that gave him the ground to work, the rain to make his crops grow. God is behind all of this. James 1.16 reminds us, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above. Some of us here today, we've been richly blessed. I know that we have. I've heard this terminology before. If we can divide the world up into threes, um, into thirds, and if we had, you know, if this, this whole section here was one-third of the world, we'll just count this as one-third of the world, and this is a third of the world. Financially, how it would break down. And on average, if this was the bottom third of the world, on average, the annual income for the bottom third of the world would be around $300 annually. A third of the world makes around $300 income per year. The upper third... You ready for this? This is exciting, right? The upper third of the world's annual income is under $20,000. It's around $19,000 that the world makes annual. The top third. Now, unless you're a college student here today, right? Most of us make more than $20,000 a year annual income. We've been richly blessed. And we have more than we need. Most of us have a cell phone, a TV, many changes of clothes, enough to eat. And then we have extras like washers and dryers, (laughs) a second car. But instead of giving God thanks down in the secret place in our hearts, I know there's always a part of me that wants to brag about how much I've worked, how hard I've worked, what I've done to get myself to this point. I also know down deep in my heart there's a secret place there that I don't like talking about that when I drive down the road here, I look at what other people have and I think, I wish I had that. When, when we go look at houses, when we do that, we don't, we don't drive to the lesser neighborhoods. We go to the bigger, nicer homes and wish we had what they had. So step one is to thank God for what he has given to us, to be grateful of how much I do have, and to be reminded that the earth is the Lord's. Everything in it belongs to him. I just get to manage some of it. The rich fool, he wasn't following that. He said, mine, mine, mine. His second mistake was this. He planned for the future without the will of God. He was looking ahead, but God wasn't a part of that with him. He said, I will build bigger barns. I will have enough for me for the rest of my life. 
When you make future plans, when you think about where you're going to be in a few years, in five years, in ten years, what, what, what does God have to do with that? Where is God in your plans of the future? The farmer thought he was in control of his own future, but he was not. God actually still controls our future. And we've got to remember that. And a wise investment, a wise venture with your resources, you'll think about God with it. If you go to an investment counselor, and I believe that we all should, hopefully you've got somebody that's looking in from the outside giving you a different viewpoint, Um, they will guide you to be prepared for all possible emergencies. A good financial advisor will tell you that your portfolio should contain plans for retirement, for disability, for long-term health, for children's education, for death expenses. So you'll be encouraged by them to have a savings account, to have insurance, to to buy mutual funds and stocks and bonds and even some high-risk investments. And then after all of that is taken care of, when you feel like you have everything else accounted for and you're comfortable with where you're at and your future is with your resources, then you might consider being generous, a benevolent gift to someone somewhere So you can get a tax write-off, and it will help save you some on the other side. Here's the trouble with that. Um, Number one, it might be going away, (laughs) some of the tax write-offs that we've enjoyed in the past. Another thing, though, is not very many people ever reach the point where they feel secure enough in any economy. If it's a good economy, they're like, it's it's a good economy, and i got to keep buying into that. If it's a bad economy, you're right, it... Um, I can't give anything away. We never get comfortable with our portfolio to say, okay, now I feel comfortable being generous. And if the only reason you were giving your stuff away was to get a tax write-off, your motivation's a little bit backwards. The Old Testament actually teaches us that it's a principle of the first fruits. First fruit giving is to be the first of what we receive to give back to God, to take to the temple. It's a practical principle for us that when we do our budgets that we should give to God first instead of what's left over. And for me, it's a reminder that God really is in control of everything, which takes us to the third mistake that he made. His third mistake was this, that he trusted in possessions, but he didn't trust in the sovereignty of God. That God is actually in control of everything. He trusted more in himself than the creator of the universe He focused on this world and didn't give any thought to the next, to eternity. He said, I'm going to lay up treasures for me in this world instead of laying up treasures in heaven. He was only making short-term investments. And when death came along without warning, and usually it does, he was called a fool. Actually says this will be the way it is for anyone who is rich toward themselves but not rich toward God. So if you're going to make a wise financial venture, you need to think beyond yourself. You need to think beyond this lifetime. Many business people will sit down and they'll tell you that early on in their business, sometimes you have to take losses in order to make a profit long-term and long-range goals. I believe the case here. This life that we're living now is short-term compared to eternity. And as Christians, we need to think about eternity even with our resources today. 
Let me give you this illustration. Hopefully this will help you understand it better. And some of you have been around Manhattan for a while. Um, 10, 12, 15 years, you have been a part of this community. Some of you, just in the last few years, you've moved to town. So you can see some of this difference, but maybe you didn't experience it. Around 12 years ago, um, the third street in downtown Manhattan looked a little different than it does today. From Blue Earth Plaza, the Hilton Garden Inn, um, all the way through to, from the Discovery Center through to Best Buy, Dick's Sporting Goods, and High V, that looked a lot different around 12 years ago. There used to be small shops there. There used to be um, a car dealership. I've got a picture of the old car dealership that was down there. Um, fast food restaurants, shops, warehouses, even homes were along that place. Next time you're in Dick's Sporting Goods, just think there used to be a home setting right here in this golf section um, where I'm standing. But let me, let me ask you this. Let's say you owned one of these homes on 3rd Street about 12 years ago. And this thing came along called public domain. <laughs> Whether you agree with it or not, that's not the point here today. Community development. Something else was going to happen along this stretch of road. But you decided, I don't care. I'm going I'm to redo my house. I'm going to fix it up. And you pour into your home like fifty to $100,000. You get new flooring. You get a new roof. You build a new porch. You put on a deck. Um, you get new doors and windows. You just pour a bunch of resources into this home. It's going to be torn down. You would say that that's pretty dumb, right? You might say, that person's not thinking. They're a fool. The house that's being prepared for a bulldozer should not be improved upon. Why spend money on something that's going to be destroyed? Why pour money into a sinkhole? Now, what should we say about people that pour more and more and more resources into a world and into stuff that's not going to make it? I want to read on. I want to read you more of what Jesus taught. So if you're still there in your Bibles, Luke chapter 12, um, I want you to continue reading with me in verse 22. This is continuing the story. Jesus turns to his disciples after this parable, and he says this to them, Therefore I tell you, don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. And he says it this way, Fear not little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. In a familiar verse, many of you know this, verse 34, for where your treasure is, there your, king, there your heart will be also. Now notice in this, he doesn't say you should... So all of your clothes, right? You don't have any clothes. Don't eat. No, it's still good to wear clothes, please. All right, wear, wear clothes. Um, it's good to eat. Um, we love to eat. I, I love eating. It's a good thing for us. It, what he teaches us here is don't be anxious about those things. Don't be so worried and heavy-hearted about those things. 
Yes, they're important. Yes, they are a part of our life. Yes, there are things in this world that we need to do, where we live and how we interact with each other. These are important things in this world, in this life. But this is a hard issue. Those things that he mentions, you can't take them with you. We use them while we're here and be good stewards of them here, but you can't take it with you. But I believe that you can send things on ahead. I heard a joke about a guy that made it to heaven, thought he did pretty well, standing at the pearly gates with St. Peter, and he sees his buddy drive by in a Cadillac. And he's so excited. All right, he got a Cadillac. I can't wait to see what I get. And St. Peter says, and here's your moped. He says, moped? And he got a Cadillac? And he was feeling pretty bad about himself until he saw his pastor ride by on a skateboard. He's like, all right, I'm doing, I'm doing all right then. Jesus said to us that, When you give, you lay up treasures in heaven. If this is true, that when you're generous and you're grateful with what he's given you, then the best money advice that I can give you, the wisest investment, the best venture that you can go on financially, is to think eternally with your stuff. This kind of venture requires long-term thinking And it requires faith in what Jesus taught us. He said it's difficult for a rich person to keep their equilibrium in this world. He said it this way, it's harder for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I'm not talking about fundraising with this. I'm not asking for an offering with that statement. This is about your eternal destiny. What you are preparing in eternity for. Because with this, comes pride, a false security, evil pursuits in our heart. And Jesus is concerned about our hearts, making sure we stay on track with him. The question to the farmer at the end of this parable was, who's getting your stuff? In the end, who's going to get all your stuff? Is it it going to be the government? Is it going to be the lawyers? Or as the parable began, is it going to be your children who are just going to fight over it? I think the point he's trying to make is it's not their responsibility, it's yours. If God has given you resources and he's given you the responsibility to manage those resources, he says to whoever is given much, much is required. And yes, you have the right to spend it on yourself. In fact, I would encourage that. I think he wants us to enjoy this world and this life, so there's nothing wrong with spending some of that on yourself. Yes, I believe you have the right to save for a rainy day, to save for retirement. There's biblical backing for that. I believe there's wisdom in saving for retirement. I also believe that we have the responsibility to be generous. We've been commanded, don't lay up treasures here. Don't trust in this world. Trust in God and what he has planned for you. Paul said it to Timothy. Command those who are rich to put their hope, not in their riches, but in God. I like this quote as well. Somebody once said, do your given while you're living, then you're knowing where it's going. Don't wait for somebody else to give away what you have gathered. And if God has blessed you, then you're responsible for what he has blessed you with, how to manage that. I also know this as a church and as a pastor here, if we're going to accomplish this project that's in front of us, it's going to take a lot of energy and effort on us. 
We're going to need every little gift that's given, and I believe God can use that, but I also know we're going to need a few big gifts as well. And if you ever secretly thought, hey, I can't wait to give big someday, maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe God brought you into the kingdom for such a time as this. And Jim Elliott, great famous quote, many of you have heard it. He is no fool who exchanged that which he can't keep for that which he can't lose. So we have a unique opportunity in front of us as a church body to show our community here in Manhattan our devotion to God, our faith and our trust in him, our care for lost people that don't know about Jesus yet, and our concern for a generation that's coming beyond us. It's not for us, it's for others. It's a big project, but I believe that if God is for us, who can be against us? In the next few months, that's going to determine whether we walk by faith or we walk by fear as we move ahead in this project. So I'm going to challenge you to be open to God's leading and just take one step at a time. And regardless of this project, regardless of what we ask of you, regardless of your wealth, I want you to give thanks to God for whatever he has given to you. He is the giver of every perfect gift. I want you to trust in him for not just your tomorrow, but your eternity. Because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And I'm going to encourage you, don't lay up treasures for yourself here on earth. Lay up treasures for eternity. If you would, let's pray together. Father, I'm grateful for what you have done uh, through your son, that that you gave us an amazing gift in him. Thank you for all that you've given us. And not just in him, but the resources we have today. How, How comfortable our lives can be here today. Thank you for all that you have done for us. God, we're grateful for that. May we always remember you in that. God, I pray as well that we're responsible with what we have for what you have given us. May we learn lessons through this parable that Jesus taught, that it's not about this world, that we're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than we will here, and to learn how to build to that and how to bring as many people to that eternity as we can. Thank you for that opportunity. We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would, let's stand together as we prepare our hearts for a time of remembering what Jesus has done.